on this edition of Kiwi Trips, there's Autumn Escapes in Wairarapa and Otago. Yes, we head over Rimataka Hill to Forage in Featherston and Greytown. Wine time is calling in Martinborough. Further south, we dive into Dunedin's cultural treasures. And we go wild on the Otago Peninsula. That's all ahead on Kiwi Tripsters. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard for another fresh edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. Good to see you, Andrew. You're looking very autumnal. I'm indeed, uh, as are you. Thank you very much. In your Hawaiian shirt. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a dream autumn road trip in the North Island with short and sweet hops uh, all along the way, and we're not just speaking of beer, Waira Rapper is hard to beat. Let's suppose you're leaving from Wellington. If you're heading over the Rimataka Hill by car, your first stop should be Featherston. Definitely. Because not only do you have a trove of bookshops, which is quite quirky in itself, Featherston's a very bookish sort of town. Oh, it is. Uh, They've got all sorts of entrepreneurial verve, which has revived Featherston as a destination in its own right. One of my favourite places in New Zealand Mm -hmm. is a place called Say Cheese. Yes, as in Say French, C, comma, E-S-T. Yes. Yeah, that's very clever. Yes. So this is Paul Broughton's wildly successful venture in Featherston. It's where Fromage fans flock to from far and wide, head straight to the cheese bar. I would be, yes. Where you can duck into all sorts of cheesy delights. You can have like a cheese flight. <laughs> What's a cheese flight? So a whole lot of nibbles on a tray. Oh, okay. So like a sampling a, tray. A taster. A yeah, taster, yeah. yeah. A cheese flight. Mm. Um, what I do also recommend is you try the mushroom on cheese toast, oh. which blows up like this big balloon. And so would you if you ate enough of yes, it. Yes, yes. And they produce cheeses on site alongside their ginormous range of gourmet cheeses that they bring in. That's right. Yep. 10% are made on site under the label Rimataka Pass Creamery, while a range of local artisan creations from King's Mead and also Drunken Nanny, they're also worth tasting. Drunken Nanny. Drunken Nanny is a great name, eh? Uh, great, (laughs) Great coffee stop as well. Because Paul has his own brand, Rimataka Pass Coffee. Really? Which is locally roasted at Say Cheese. And right next door, Paul's wife, Sue, runs the most whimsical giftware store, brimming with oddities and curiosities. Yes. Mr. Feathers Den. Great name. Sounds like a Beatrix Potter, Potter book. <laughs> it does. And it is such a hive of discovery. There are things in there that you'll think, oh, God, I'd love to buy that. I'd love to buy that. I've never seen something like that before. And if you're into your taxidermy, hey? they do all sorts of weird. Taxidermy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can get stuffed. <laughs> They've got all sorts of stuffed things in there. Yeah, like? Mice. What? Yes. A stuffed mouse? Yes, wearing spectacles. Yes. Mm, okay. But as I mentioned... It's also a very bookish town, so there are bookshops galore as well to check out. Yes, from Featherston, Martinborough, population under 2,000, is just a 20-minute drive away. It is such a magnificent area, Martinborough, because oh, yes. you've got this amazing patchwork of vineyards, 20 boutique wineries within easy reach of the heart of town. In fact, 
Yesella door hopping can be done on foot or by bike. Which you will, mean you can hop on foot? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Hmm. Yes. That will keep policemen plot happy, though. I mean, you're not driving around recklessly. Well, on bike is still illegal. But you're off-road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, I made, <laughs> I made my way to Tikaranga Salador, which is home to two of Martinborough's pioneering wineries, Tikaranga and also Martinborough Vineyard, and it's also home to Lighthouse Gin. The Salador is actually situated in a 130-year-old cottage that was formerly owned by Martinborough namesake John Martin. There you go. I know. Such a great setting, shaded oak tree, garden, just perfect for a platter of local goodies and some wine tastings. And I have to say, mm-hmm. I think the Pinot Noir at TK, Tikaranga, is particularly good. And when you've had enough of the vino, the really good thing is you've got this gin distillery, purpose-built <laughs> for Rachel Small and her spectacularly popular label, Lighthouse Gin. We've been talking about lighthouses a lot on Kiwi Tripsters lately. We have indeed. Why so, not have a gin? So when you're absolutely sozzled on wine, switch to gin. Yes. 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 yes safe drinking. Another recommended cellar door is On Giant's Shoulders. Yes. So this is... Just a stone's throw from the heart of town. And uh, Braden and Gabriel Crosby, they developed it about eight years ago. They're actually really um, gutsy, go get them winemakers and entrepreneurs because Braden was a wine grower. And then him and his wife decided, let's try this ourselves in a different sort of way. So they have been dealing to this new vineyard with beautifully textured Pinot Gris and Chardonnay being produced on site alongside their Pinot Noir. It's a really nice spot. If you like sort of sustainable wines where there is a lot more focus put on the environment, this is the place to go. Absolutely. Now, if your palate needs a break from grapes and gin, I'm not surprised yours would, but uh, how about savouring some mighty fine craft beer? Why not? Why not, I said to myself. <laughs> so Martinborough Brewery was calling. And oh, yes. this is such a great setup. The brainchild of Hayden Frew and Stephen Fox, they established their brewery in a garage, which has now morphed into a purpose-built brewery and tasting room. Mm-hmm. Hayden took me on a fantastic tour behind the scenes, and there are seven brews on tap and a lovely full-bodied cider. Oh. I don't think you can go wrong with a full-bodied cider. No, you can't. But it's the golden ale, vintage gold. That really is best in show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had a bit of that then. I had a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> Just ahead, we scoot up the road to the artisan powerhouse of Greytown, back in a mo. You're back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew, as we go a-wandering through the Waira Rapper. Let's head to Greytown, and let's speak of chocolate. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. If Featherstone's about cheese mm-hmm. and taxidermied mm-hmm. mice. <laughs> I'm still uncomfortable with that. I know. Anyway. I know. I think chocolate is a bit of a byword for Greytown because it is home to the shock shop, which sucks people in like a tractor beam. Mm-hmm. And their tasty morsels tend to be more savoury than sweet. Okay. So last time I was there, they had 85 flavours in their chocolate range. Wow. 85. 85. Lime chilli is a really big seller, lime chilli chocolate. Apricot and rosemary, that's worth a try. Curry and Papa Dum's chocolate. What? I know. 
But for a seasonal novelty, mm. I really need to impress upon you uh. the need to try their Christmas tablet. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> It brims with cranberries and green cherries and mixed spice. Ah! Do you spend the entire year thinking about Christmas? It's now March. I know. You're not counting down to Christmas already. Well, I have a few of these tablets up my sleeve. (laughs) Just to keep me going as we count down. But Uh, I'll tell you what, this this beautiful Christmas tablet chocolate, it's shock. It is like licking the bowl of a raw Christmas pudding mix. That's its essential taste. There you are, folks. That's Michael's contribution to your week. <laughs> if you need to get a fresh set of tablets, they start rolling them out around October, by the way. Now, this is potentially a controversial question, but is Greytown the North Island's answer to Arrowtown? Oh, very provocative, Andrew. Hmm. They are both drop-dead gorgeous towns. Yes. But if I had to choose my favourite... Be careful. Yes. Where I think Greytown may have the edge is that it's the real deal. Ooh. It's not just a tourist maker. It's a living, breathing, thriving rural town. And it's the only New Zealand town with a fully complete main street of original Victorian buildings. In Arrowtown, mm-hmm. some of them are replicas. They are, yes. yes. Knocked up. Yes, knocked up. There's been a bit of that. <laughs> In our own town. And, um, <laughs> and in Greytown, the arsenal of artisans is second to none. And it's just amazing who goes and sets up shop in Greytown. All of these fashion designer lovies from Auckland will open up a store in Greytown because it's just seen as this mecca for independent prowess. People like Lorraine Hall relocated from Auckland and now base themselves in Greytown. Fantastic. Mm. Now, I know you like a bit of Italian. Oh, yes. Tell us about Joe Durkin's Ceramic Art Studio. (laughs) Oggi Domani. Oh, my goodness. I love this place. So Joe has got this amazing ceramic art and design studio. She trained in the ceramic powerhouse of Deruta in Umbria under an Italian master. Well. Not everyone's done that. (laughs) They have not. (laughs) (laughs) So she creates exceptionally beautiful sculptures and um, ceramic pieces inspired by traditional Italian design. Mm. I wanted to buy up her whole studio. (laughs) Did you? Well, I bought one piece. (laughs) Yes. But they're quite pricey. Yes. Yes. But, I mean, if you've been trained in Deruta, you expect... To pay for it. <laughs> you do expect to pay for it, don't you? You expect stiff prices. Yeah, very stiff prices. Another must-see is the pine-sized Victorian shop, Imperial Productions. Now, these guys produce hand-painted metal toy soldiers, and they export them to collectors all over the world. Well, that's a novel idea. It's very novel. But that in itself epitomises Greytown for me, that you've got all of these small, perfectly formed enterprises packed with surprises, peering all around the world. That is fantastic, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that description. Thank you. Now, another great town legend is Blackwell & Sons, the exclusive New Zealand stockist of Pashley bicycles. I love yes. that word, Pashley. Pashley. Reminds me of the 80s. Yes. Pash. Yes. Have a Pash. Have a Pash. Pash and Dash. Yes, Pash and Dash on my Pashley. Anyway, back to the bicycles. <laughs> Don't call me Ashley. <laughs> Trust me, step inside the Pashley bicycles 
uh, store Blackwell and Sons, and you will be wanting to pedal your way out on one, complete with its Nantucket wire basket and picnic gear. And people go gaga over the likes of Blackwell and Sons and all the other independent homeware stores in Greytown. Another good example is this place called Lenate. So this is like an emporium of fabrics and jewellery and paintings and art pieces, all from Latvia. Latvia? <laughs> How very grey town, a little slice of Latvia in the heart of the wider wrapper. Indeed. Yeah. Now, we discussed historic pubs you can stay at a couple of weeks ago, and we mentioned the White Swan Hotel in Greytown. Yes. Very nice place. Yes. So this is the one that was previously the rail building in Lower Hutt and got hauled over the hill and a bit and, of it fell off. And, and we think may have been the inspiration for the Spates ad. Yes. Yes. That's the one. So it commands itself with, like, such presence in the heart of town in Greytown. Nick and Rosie Rogers, the building is under the command of these two. Now, if the name Nick Rogers is familiar to you, think Tui Brewery. I was thinking Buck Rogers, but anyway. <laughs> do you remember the Tui Brewery I, TV ads? Yeah, I do, I do. He was the marketing brains behind it. Ah. <sighs> yeah, so he's a fun guy. Yeah. Very fun guy. So was wifey Rosie. And a major score... They headhunted Whare Koho Estates head chef away, Mark Soper. So he is the head chef at the White Swan Hotel. And my God, his culinary offerings are just incredible. If you are visiting Greytown in sort of prime mushroom season, sort of mid-year, be sure to check out their fungi pizza. You said he was a (laughs) fungi. He's a very fungi. Well done. But, oh, my goodness, their pizzas are just artworks. So, yeah, fabulous place to stay in Greytown. Coming up, we switch islands. We head for the wild and woolly encounters of the Otago Peninsula. Woolly? It has to be because it's rather chilly. Stay with us. You're back with Keep Me Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. Let us head south to Dunedin and the amazing Otago Peninsula. The wildlife encounters are simply breathtaking. It's so true. Yeah, and you're just so richly blessed with possibilities on the Otago Peninsula. Lots of flippant and feathered possibilities. What more could you want in life? Hmm. I mean, the, the volume and the variety of wildlife is exceptional. It's sort of like a candy factory for twitches. Twitches? feel like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> they do. Yeah. And Tyroa Head is the crown jewel because it's home to the Northern Royal Albatross Colony. It is such a unique and distinctive encounter as you ogle those birds from the Royal Observation Box. The Royal Observation Box. Mm. Why is it the Royal Observation Box? Uh, because they are Royal Albatross. Right. Okay. Thank you. Nothing to do with Wills and Kate then. <laughs> no, apparently not. But there were about 30 chicks scattered around. Uh, that sounds like Prince Andrew. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big, bulging, fluffy balls of snow-white feathers is how these chicks look. (laughs) And I love how when you look out from the the Royal Observation Box, you see these chicks around the headland, and they're all just like waiting patiently for mum and dad to come home from the sea with a squid smoothie. Lovely. Yeah. And when you've had your fill of the birds, don't miss Fort Tairoa, which has seen so much history. Yes. It was... One of New Zealand's biggest fortified coastal parks, and there are some amazing images you can see in Dunedin of mm. how it would have looked back in the day. Fearsome, all palisaded, all along the coast. Incredible. Yeah, they built a good park. Yeah, yeah. Then in the 1880s, we had a lot of concerns about the Russians 
wanting to pilfer Dunedin's gold. <laughs> so at Fort Tairoa, they installed the Armstrong disappearing gun, which was going to defend the city if need be. So it's a very sort of ingenious weapon that was raised to fire before swiftly recoiling into its circular underground bunker. And you can actually wander in there today. And this bunker is directly below where the little chicks are nesting, which is quite a bizarre sort of juxtaposition. Well, maybe they could ship the amazing Armstrong disappearing gun over to the Ukraine. Yes. It would be quite useful right now. Across from the Albatross colony is the Reed family farm, uh, home to the incredible ecotourism business, Nature's Wonders. This really is a knockout. It was like a revelation to me. So... On the southern side of Tairoa Head, the farm has been in the Reed family since 1849, and they have steadily reduced the size of their sheep farm, very conservation-minded, so a lot of the land has been restored as a self-funded conservation venture. It's all predator-proofed. They have got a massive fur seal colony there, little blue penguins, oh. and best of all, possibly the biggest hoiho colony in the world. A very cool place. Yeah, and you can take the Express Penguin Tour, a very nice wee coach, and you see the breeding habitats of yellow-eyed penguins, blue penguins, and New Zealand fur seals. Really, really nice experience. Yeah. It was the yellow-eyed penguins that just blew me away because when I was there, they had 23 breeding pairs of these guys, the hoiho, who have set up shop on their land. So this is private land, right? And watching hordes of them at twilight waddling across the shoreline (laughs) to reach their nests is just so captivating. It's like tired shoppers coming back with their Christmas goods for the kids. Um, How did you manage to slip Christmas in there again? Oh, did I? (laughs) And I love how they are so bonded, you know, ma and pa. Yes. So I was watching this penguin who sort of shuffled into view Peering out from the hillside foliage. I guess it was Mrs. Penguin. And she was peering out at Mr. Penguin, galumphing across the sand after having had a swim. And the way that she sort of like leered at him was as if to say, hurry up, you're late for tea. It was just brilliant. Priceless. (laughs) So this really is like nature unplugged in vivid 4D. I can't get the lid off this jar. Get over here. (laughs) And beyond the farm from Port Chalmers, there are wildlife cruises out in the ocean too. Yes, absolutely. So if you want to head beyond the harbour entrance and uh, beyond Tyra Head, the open sea, it's amazing actually. I did this uh, cruise called the Port to Port Wildlife Cruise and there were just so many species just offshore feeding on the tideline. So we actually watched five different species of albatross undertaking their very theatrical sea landings and takeoffs. They look like a float plane coming in, don't they? Totally, Yeah. yeah. The Northern Royals, my God, their wingspan is three metres. So when they're coming into land, it's like a stealth bomber (laughs) lined up uh, with such precision. And those Northern Royal Albatross, they can hit speeds of 120 kilometres as they shoot across the Pacific to South America. Yeah, they go at a fair clip. Yeah. Now, also close to Port Chalmers, the Cloud Forest Eco Sanctuary Orokanui. This is a fully predator-proof nursery for the South Island brown kiwi and a blaze with native birdies. Birdies love you. Oh, yes. If you are a twitcher in need of a full-barreled fix, fill your boots at Orokanui. <laughs> the racket from the kaka, the tui, the bellbirds, it is relentless. And those bird feeder stations allow you to glimpse them 
right up close. You know, I was within a metre or two of Mr. Cucker and crew. I also encountered the most brilliantly named brown creeper bird. <laughs> I've never seen these birds before I went to Orokanui, but they are so named because they stealthily creep between the branches as if not to be noticed by anyone. Of course. Yeah, yeah. They're like little phantoms in the trees. <laughs> but a lot of locals in Dunedin love using Orokanui as a glorified park because the walking trails through the native forests are just so good and so soothing. A great detox from the daily grind and dunners. Yeah, that's what you need. Uh, stay with us. We dip into Dunedin's crown of cultural jewels up next. This is Kiwi Tripsters. You're back with Mike and Andrew. And when you've had your fill of Dunedin's natural wonders, it's the city's cultural treasures that will keep you agog. Let's start with Larnock Castle. I love it. Very famous. There's no overlooking this jewel built in 1871 by William Larnock. It is still privately owned, the Barker family. Yes. Uh, They purchased the home just over 50 years ago, and they've just done an incredible job restoring the castle, uh, furnishing the palatial landmark with a trove of original New Zealand period furniture. And when the Barkers took possession of it, it was totally run down, devoid of furniture. So they've really brought it back to life. And they just did so much research into what was the original decor like um, to inform the restoration of this castle back to its original glory. I do remember that uh, when they bought it, I can't remember the price, but I do remember thinking... It's not too bad for a castle. <laughs> for a pile. Yeah. yeah. And if you're green and fingered, Larnack's grounds are classified as a garden of international significance. Yes. Very special. One of those ones you'll see King Charles walking around talking to the plants. I'm sure they'd be delighted to have him. Oh, but I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a very undulating garden because being on the hillside, you get all of those wonderful harbour perspectives as well as you graze through this wonderland of flower beds and hedgerows and trees. It really is a visual symphony. When I was last there, I was intrigued by how impressive the Waratahs were. Yeah. Because obviously the Waratah is the native flower of New South Wales. And I didn't think they would necessarily grow particularly well in chilly Dunedin, but they absolutely boom at Larnock Castle. So I've tried to grow some. Successfully? No. They don't seem to like Huntsbury. No. No. But you will find all sorts of inspiration for your own garden as you wander around the likes of the Patent Garden and the Lost Rock Garden. I think that's where Lost Rocks go, is it? Yeah, it must Um, be. The Serpentine Walk. With the single socks. (laughs) Yes. The South Seas Garden, the Alice Lawn, which is very Instagram friendly. It, yeah, it's just full of inspiration and um, and love. Now, in central Dunedin, one of New Zealand's finest old house experiences can be savoured at Olveston. Yes, it is one of New Zealand's finest old house experiences brought to life by the most brilliant guided tour through the 35 rooms. And it was the Jewish immigrant, David Thierman, who commissioned Alveston. And I, I love the fact that it very much represents a lot of Otago geology. You've got like the gravel from Moraki and Omaru stone, uh, the white stone, the limestone that we've talked about in recent weeks. Uh, that very much is what clads Alveston. It's now owned by the city, 
and it gives such a great sense of insight into high society living over a century ago. There's a real lived-in feel to the house, as if the Theremins have just popped out for the day. It is a runaway hit. So really what you're saying is Theremin pilfered from all the surrounding districts to make his home. I'm sure he paid handsomely for the Whitestone. And for something crazy and quirky, just down the road, definitely make tracks to the Natural Mystery Museum, which is a bit of an experience in itself. It's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a quirky Dunedin gem housed in a 19th century villa. Bruce Mahowski is the brains behind it. He has got the most gobstopping collection of skulls, bones, cultural curiosities and art pieces, which he's been gathering all of his life, as were his parents. Right. So you might find yourself gazing at a mighty hippo skull or some of his own textured art creations. It really is quite a visual adventure. In fact, the World of Wearable Art Awards, a lot of the headwear pieces of art that he has designed, they have featured in those awards. It's kooky, but cool. So I'm not sure what I'd be disturbed most about, the hippo skulls or the stuffed mouse with spectacles. We <laughs> Like about earlier. Yes. Now, Great Eats in Dunedin. There's a lot of buzz about Titi. Yes. One of the hottest tickets in town is Titi. It's fostered rave reviews for its inspirational and contemporary cuisine, very much drawing from both the land and the sea, hyper-local, hyper-seasonal, and boasting a prime seaside perch in St. Clair. That's where you will find Titi. What I would suggest you do is, because it is just so highly acclaimed, just book what they call the Trust the Chef dining experience. So they will choose Mm -hmm. what you're going to eat. Oh. So they just bring it out, and you you have invested total faith in their choices. Right. Yeah. If a five-course degustation menu floats your boat, Mm -hmm. which is quite a lot to get through. It's a big boat. It's a very big boat. Another on-trend place is... Moati, uh, which is in the warehouse precinct of Dunedin. Mains include dishes like beef cheek with pumpkin, kimchi, shallot, and shangiku. Now, shangiku, for the uninitiated, uh, are the tangy, grassy petals from the spring chrysanthemum, deeply revered in Japanese culture. Yes. I was a fan. Mm-hmm. I'd be up for a bit of shangiku anytime you like. I'm sure you would. <laughs> And this is actually a good way of explaining probably Moati's point of difference. Their dishes are a blend of French and Japanese cooking. It's unpretentious food, but it just bursts with vibrant and unusual flavours. French food being unpretentious. Mm. Book a table. Uh, That's it for this edition. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are, as always, available on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. Check out our travel articles on our sister site, fortheloveoftravel.nz. Fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, we'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice, of which there are many, many choices. Oh, yes. Fire away with your tangy, grassy petals of praise bursting with vibrant, unusual flavour. <laughs> Give us a little bit of the old shangiku in your feedback. <laughs> and while Michael has another drink, we look forward to catching you for our next edition in a week's time. Take care now. Telly ho. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. 
Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Travels.